Soul Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, after talking about a ton of fantasy football news, we'll be talking fantasy tight ends for 2021 and recapping the fantasy tight ends from last season. Uh, that'll probably be pretty brief as we'll probably be spending a lot of time on the news. I also had a dynasty mock draft planned for this show, but that's not going to happen because it would be like a two hour show. I'm moving that back to next week. Should be a lot of fun. And as always, guys, we've got a guest on today's show. He's a fantastic guest, longtime friend of the show. And I'm finally, I'm glad to finally have him on for the first time. He's a podcast production editor slash like helper at Fantasy Pros and also the host of the Lateral Show, a fantasy football podcast as well. So go check that out wherever you listen. We've got C.H. Herms on the show today. So excited to have you, Herms. I've wanted to have you on for a while. And I like you were one of like our very like first followers when we were expanding into Twitter as well. So we really appreciate all the support you've given us. And I'm glad to get to talk some fantasy with you today. Yeah, woohoo! We did it. <laughs> you got Herms on the show, dude. Honestly, like you guys have been killing it, man. Like I'm just, I'm really excited to be part of this, man. Like it's so cool, man. And oh my god, just like, and even like you mentioned the, at the beginning, like the concept that we had originally for the show was gonna be super fun, but like, dude, just so much news, so mm-hmm. much news, so much to talk about, dude. I'm so pumped. Yo, just oh my gosh so much so much oh dude this is great this is great, yeah, this is great. It, it was like the like weirdest like or maybe the craziest like 24 hours of news like i had seen in years earlier in the week and then it just kept coming and coming and coming and by the end we just have like so much to talk about here so that's really got to be the show because honestly outside of the top few tight ends not very many too impactful for fantasy it's much more relevant to cover all these moves that are going on so yeah i mean i guess i mentioned your show and stuff at the beginning anything else you want to plug before we get started yeah uh, you can follow me on twitter at herms nfl you can find a lot of my work that i do over at fantasy pros uh i'm a podcast producer over there i do some copy editing and at some point in the future you'll be able to see some written articles from me over there that's going to be super fun and uh yeah uh, the lateral show on twitter at the lateral ff you can find it on anchor spotify google Podcasts, wherever podcasts come out i don't know uh if you like fantasy football and you like hearing me say the f word a lot that's where you can find it so there you go <laughs> awesome yeah so guys make sure to go check that out um, super entertaining for sure and uh, great fantasy football advice on there as well so i guess uh, if you're ready to get started we can hop into the news i don't even know like i put it in an order and i just don't know where to start because like i can't decide which is the biggest piece of news to start with but i guess we can get into it if you're ready sounds good my dude let's roll all right here we go so first piece of news i guess we're gonna start here the seahawks have traded russell wilson and a fourth round pick to the broncos for drew lock noah fant shelby harris two firsts two seconds and a fifth rounder obviously there were rumors coming out about Wilson whether his status was certain or not whether he was going to stay in Seattle there was also some news that it came out earlier today about another quarterback we're going to talk about in a bit and I'm sure unless you're living under a rock you've definitely heard about that but Russell Wilson got shipped off away from the Seahawks the Seahawks are now rumored in other potential trade discussions but for now I think the main impact that we have here is that a it seems like the Seahawks may have to go into a rebuild, which is odd considering Pete Carroll's age. But B, the AFC West is now stacked with quarterbacks and Broncos' wide-receiving weapons, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, neither of whom were traded, could take off after this. So, Herms, what are your, like, what are your thoughts, initial thoughts on this trade uh, as it came out? Oh, my God. I mean, I mean, first and foremost, kind of like you said, at least from the Seahawks' perspective, it's like, wow, I mean – I kind of figured that at a certain point with the direction that the franchise was sailing in that Pete Carroll would be more likely to go than Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. And I think they had said, because these 
you know, rumors of Russell Wilson being traded or whatever, it, it dates back to last year. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't something that just popped up out of the blue. So, I mean, we knew something had to give. And just, like, Pete Carroll, I think he's 71 years old. Like, I don't know how he's going to, you know. Yeah. I'm curious to see who their next quarterback ends up being because even if it is Drew Locke for one single year, I mean, like, I that's going to be its own mess. I feel really bad for DK Metcalf. I feel really bad for Tyler Lockett. But at the very least, I mean, like, no offense. I don't think it's going to be that bad for him because at the very least he'll have – a quarterback throwing to him that he does have a rapport with and some experience with. So it's not going to be too bad, but at least as far as the Broncos go, because I think that's really all that needs to be said about the Seahawks. I mean, it's really difficult because that division is full of so many good teams. Like it's pretty fair to point out that of all the quarterbacks in the AFC West, Derek Carr is the odd man out because Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, now Russell Wilson. I mean, clearly you would take all three of those guys ahead of Derek Carr, but I don't think Derek Carr is, particularly bad by any means because you look at like the elite level quarterbacks in the NFL and I think there's like that really small tier of just super efficient game managers and I think of those two players as Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr those are the two that I'm just like okay well if you're not going to have this superstar level quarterback these are the two types of guys that you're going to want to get and you know them hiring Josh McDaniels you know in his experience I think his offense that he would bring to Las Vegas you know lends itself really well to the pieces that they have there so all in all the division has just become so tight like i the chiefs are still probably at the top i think that's pretty fair to say but after that the chargers the broncos and i'm still including the raiders in that mix they're all very close together because like they have similar is strengths but still like weird deficiencies like it's going to be interesting to see how all of those teams address the drafts and free agency coming up because i don't know the Broncos wide receivers that we're all excited about, it's all very speculative. You know yeah. what I mean? And you don't know this who's in- it going to be. Like, is it Sutton? Is it Judy? Is it both? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's the tricky part because we understand, yes, Cortland Sutton is insanely talented. Yes, Jerry Judy. Oh, my gosh. We've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for this. And the whole, the phrase that people have said the entire time ad nauseum is, oh, they're just a quarterback away. Like, we hope they're a quarterback away. We still have yet to see if some of these guys are going to take off. So it's like, I don't don't know. I think Russell Wilson probably adds a good two or three wins to their record. I mean, like, that's not nothing. But I don't think it immediately makes them just, like, this Super Bowl contender because we still have to see what they're going to do to continue to address that defense. I saw a video of Von Miller on Instagram Live being like, hey, you know, I'm open (laughs) to coming back. Broncos country, baby. Like, that would really help. I think that would go a long way. But I don't know. I'm going to hold off getting a little too excited about the team from a real life perspective for a little bit, but at least as far as the fantasy stuff goes, it's like I said, it's all theoretical. What Russell Wilson could mean for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. And like you'd said, we don't know who it's really going to be. So I guess the player of all of them that I'm most excited about is probably Albert Aquabignam. The tight end <laughs> is like not, he, he has a lot of opportunity opening up for him and the tight end landscape and fantasy football makes it so that, I mean, sneaking into the top 12 years end is not exactly the most difficult thing to do in the world mm-hmm. assuming you just like you know have some luck in the touchdown department and you know and i've done a ton of research into tight ends like over the past couple of years or so like he if he can secure anywhere near like a 15 percent target share or something maybe i don't know we'll see but he yeah. is the only one that i can really say is a clear definitive winner but i don't know very long-winded answer mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there you go and now yeah i think confirmed. i'm with you there in general i would say i definitely think 
I don't know. I honestly feel like Cortland Sutton out of the two receivers might be the one who goes a little more undervalued because of all the excitement about Judy. Like, oh man, he's such a precision, like his he route runs with such like precision, which is like very true and stuff. And it's like, I know I've read like a Sports Illustrated article a couple of years back that was like, Jerry Judy has like perfected his running stride, like more than like anyone or something crazy like that. But like, I still think Sutton as a great possession receiver will be someone who Russell Wilson looks to downfield. It's not like you're getting a guy like, I don't know, like you're getting a guy like Andy Dalton who wouldn't look downfield to Allen Robinson and therefore not using him correctly. I think Cortland Sutton fits well with Wilson. And I do think I agree with you on the point about Alberto. It's more and it's also just like way more smart to take a guy like him in like the second to last round than burning a middle round pick on like a Hunter Henry or random tight end who's probably going to put out like the same production and not be startable anyway. Why not take a shot on someone who has higher upside, especially with Noah Fant gone? Oh my gosh, yes. And I tell people all the time, if you're going to do the tight end thing, because most leagues use tight ends, Mm -hmm. I am very much in the camp of you either take one of the top three guys super early or you wait until the very, very, very end. It's got to be hero or just dig in the dumpster because I found that, oh gosh, the return on investment for middle round tight ends rarely ever pays off. It's a complete waste of time. Like, and like occasionally you'll get lucky, you know, like I've seen people do it like every now and then it works out, but like I plotted out like the last five years worth of data in a chart that I put together last summer. I'm still working on updating all of my information to incorporate this past season, but I saw like the hit rate because like I, I, I charted it out based on like where they were taken and then like the percentage that that player finished in the top six within the top 12 and then outside of the top 12. Like I, you know, those mm-hmm. three criteria, yeah, those middle rounds, I'm telling you people, folks listening at home, I'm telling you, <laughs> just don't yeah. do it. it the Wait only benefit is like, it looks solid on a roster in preseason. Like it won't do you any good rather than just taking someone late. There's rarely a late guy who breaks like out like crazy either, but there's usually at least one or two that you can get. Like if you can get a Dalton Schultz in the late rounds, like it's still very possible yeah. because of guys like Dalton Schultz who did it. Uh, Dawson Knox who did it. Those guys sometimes were in free agency too. So honestly, just pick a random guy. If he doesn't work out, you can cut him after week two and pick up someone else. It's just how it goes. All right. But yeah, I think we have exhausted that. Overall, it's going to be interesting. I think it's a boost for the Broncos offense in general, the trade for the Seahawks. I was never a Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf fan for fantasy. Now I'm not even further. I mean, Metcalf more in like a dynasty type of situation, but just in redraft consistency wise, that's going to be an issue. Let's move on to the next piece of news. This one won't change much for us. And I guess I'll pair these two together because they go together. Aaron Rodgers is going to re-sign with the Packers. It's unclear whether he's actually like signed or not because it was reported that he did. And then he said he didn't. But then Devontae Adams also got franchise tagged. So those two will stay back. The Packers get their full offense back for 2022. This is just going to mean Devontae Adams is probably a top three receiver again. Aaron Rodgers, probably a top eight QB again. And this offense probably remains very, very similar. Aaron Rodgers with back-to-back MVPs has not lost anything until he does. We have to assume that he's still going to be great for the future. Yeah. You know, and the difficult part about reading this situation, because like from a fantasy standpoint, like nothing really changed. You know what I mean? It's, it's just going to be more of the same from a real life football perspective. I'm interested to see how they're going to handle, you know, shelling out all of that money to Aaron Rodgers and then also Devonta Adams to keep him around because mm-hmm. that really puts the onus on the defense to be able to step up because I don't know how many of those guys they're going to be able to continue to hold on to long-term. So that could be fascinating, but at least just gearing it back toward fantasy. 
I am curious to see what happens to fill out the rest of the receiving core. I think that's really the thing that people are going to have to pay attention to, because if I recall, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Alan Lazard are set to become free agents. So mm. I don't know who's going to be catching passes from Aaron Rodgers after Devontae Adams. I know that Robert Tunyon is also a player that could theoretically come back on the cheap. I know that some people were very excited about him entering this past season, which I personally thought was a little ill-advised, but I digress. Mm -hmm. He got hurt, I'm sure he'll be able to you know come back on the cheap but so i mean does them giving him this money and you know kind of you know, making up with him quote unquote and the kind of messiness they've had over the last couple of years because i know one of his complaints was just like hey you haven't really done a whole lot to you know build around me and you know like give me some of the requisite weapons that i need to run the offense and be successful with that stuff does that mean they're finally willing to pony up in like the first or second round of the draft and get him another receiver that's something that i think people are really going to have to keep their eyes on because if there is some sort of like you know behind closed doors handshake deal that they made to go after one of these guys that's that's the thing that I think could be more interesting than anything else because kind of like I said and even like you said you know it's just like you know Aaron Rodgers is still going to be Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams is still going to be Devontae Adams nothing really changed but if he is agreeing to come back maybe that thing he's been complaining about for two years about not having a whole you know wide breadth of weapons in his offense that he can pick and choose from on any given play do they mm -hmm. have a significant upgrade at the wide receiver two position or the wide receiver? Dude, I don't know. That's going to be super, super fascinating. I'm really excited to see who that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'd love to see that come from the draft too because right now this wide receiver class with Godwin coming back, like it doesn't look like that great through free agency, but like the draft class does. And I think, I don't know where Green Bay's picking, like maybe in the 20s for first round. Is it, uh, I'm not exactly I think, sure. I think they picked number 29 overall. Oh, okay. So yeah, they're over there. So basically like, I mean- they could, they, they're not going to end up with like a Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks probably, but they could still get one of those second tier guys with a lot of upside. I think it might help them to kind of develop a guy with Rogers versus bringing in maybe an Allen Robinson type of veteran who, yeah, I mean, he's a good player downfield. Rogers will push the ball downfield, but when Rogers is used to going to Devonte Adams, I don't know if Allen Robinson can command the same target share that he like will need to kind of make him great for fantasy. So for fantasy football, I'd rather have the Adams connection over the middle with route running 150 targets. And then the explosive wide receiver rookie wide receiver who has big games, I think is like the best case scenario for the Packers offense as a whole for fantasy. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, that archetype is what they're going to have to replace potentially losing both Valdez Scantling and Lazard. And, and I've said this on several different podcasts over the course of my time doing this, if there were just some way that we could fuse their skills together, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because I feel like each of them have what the other one doesn't. Cause like Valdez Scantling, like a little bit more explosive to get downfield, but the hands are not super steady. Whereas Lazard is not quite as fast, not quite as explosive, but his hands were slightly steadier. So it's just like, Oh, if they could just get those two guys into one body. Oh no. Oh, look out. <laughs> I think you, to your point, like some of those guys that are going to be in that second tier of the rookies, that could be more fascinating. And like, you know, and I we've seen it so many different times over the last you know couple of years specifically. Like to your point, like the free agent wide receivers, like we get really excited about them, and then I think a lot of people seem to forget it normally takes like you know getting that first season under your belt in the new system, doing whatever. Like whereas like you know a rookie wide receiver coming in, they're basically a blank slate. You know, like you can yeah. just you know build them up in your own image and do whatever you want with them. But you're right, you know, like it just I don't, uh, the free agent class. It would be it would be a little too tricky, but. Dude, shout out the Packers. Shout out Aaron Rodgers doing his thing. Yeah. Woo, hell yeah.
<laughs> yeah, so the Packers are going to be competing, it looks like, for a few years to come. It, the four-year deal is right. I don't know. I don't know why, like, I can't decide whether Rodgers coming out and saying he didn't sign a deal is because he's lying and wants the spotlight, <laughs> which is totally not an Aaron Rodgers thing to do. Like, that would, that would be, like, absurd. But, like, uh, either he's lying and wants the spotlight or that's actually true. But, like, I don't know. I don't care. I find that hard to believe either way because like, I do feel like I still don't feel like, I don't know. Maybe I feel like it's more likely that he might not be telling the quite truth, but it's his own word too. He came out and tweeted mm. something. He doesn't really tweet. So I don't know, but I feel like rap sheet is as trustworthy as they or rap reports as trustworthy as they come. Maybe there was a wrong source there or something. I have really no idea. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll save my personal feelings about Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. for another time, but I'll, uh, I will just say, uh, in, in light, polite terms, uh, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a nut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if this is just something that he wanted to do. I think honestly, part of it was just like, oh man, oh, I announced that I'm finally coming back and the, oh, Russell Wilson gets, tra- uh, this was supposed to be my news day. Ah, oh, you know, like I, it was, mm-hmm. it's probably something petty. But, you know, that's, yeah. that's just my read of it. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because Wilson, the news came out like a couple hours after. Yeah. Rodgers didn't directly immediately refute it. He only refuted it like hours later. I'm sure he saw like what happened. Like everyone's going crazy for a couple hours. I'm sure he saw it. Like, why didn't he maybe refute it right away? I mean, I, I want to say it took him like six hours before he sent out a tweet, which isn't like a crazy amount of time. But given like given the fact that he's been in negotiations he probably expected like some news to come out or something. I don't, I don't even know. It's a weird situation. It doesn't really matter that much because he's coming back for the Packers. I assume he's coming back on a long-term deal. So overall for fantasy, it doesn't make a difference, but uh, let's move on to the next piece of news. I can't believe it. We're still in like for 80 or 90% of the shows that I would do the first, like three things today that we have covered would be like the breaking story. And we still have like, three more of those or like four more of those that are like the breaking story type of news and it's like yeah it's insane and free agency hasn't even started like i don't even know if i don't think free agency can get any crazier than this to be honest like it's going to be a lot of moves but these are really top shelf kind of stuff but let's move on to calvin ridley calvin ridley was suspended for at least the 2022 season for betting on games apparently he bet 1500 dollars on three separate parlays He, um, when he was away from the Falcons, he's allowed to apply for reinstatement after next year. And I assume he's probably going to get back. Like, I know it's not definitive, but like, seems like if you apply for reinstatement and do a good enough job with it, you'll get back. So we'll probably see Ridley back after a season. He seems to be through, or maybe not through, but at least feeling in it, maybe in a better spot with his like mental health kind of thing. It seemed like, as he sent out a tweet, like, football is life or whatever probably ready to return to the field once he's uh done or once he's done with his suspension but yeah overall now the falcons it's gonna be a struggle for them at wide receiver and what's interesting though the one thing i found was that ridley's fifth year option now gets pushed back and since ridley came into the league so old he won't finish his rookie contract until after he turns 29 that's just that's that's so wild man that is so wild (laughs) it is it's crazy oh man although i will say like first and foremost before even getting into the fantasy football part of it one of the things that has been insanely disheartening to see is that people 
look at this and they're like, oh, so that's why he, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. like trying to make excuses to invalidate his mental health struggles, because I feel like a lot of people will do whatever they want to invalidate anybody's mental health issues. Like when somebody says they're having a hard time, they are having a hard time. You believe people, you always believe people and you mm-hmm. just, you support them no matter what. So anybody out there that's just like, oh, so, so this is why he's still <laughs> making excuses and blah, blah. It's like, no, the man said he was having a hard time. You believe it. And I just hope that everything is well with him. That matters more than anything else. Bar none, hundred percent mental health completely matters. Mental health is health. It is no different than a a player tearing their SEL and having to rehab it that way. Your brain is something that you have to take care of just like your body. Don't let this be something that, you know, whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That really irritated me, especially as somebody who likes to use their platform to speak out on behalf of, you know, mental health. So that first and foremost, yeah. but as far as the fantasy football goes, <laughs> um, Oh my gosh, dude, dude, have you looked at who's on <laughs> the Falcons <laughs> roster? Cause like without him in the picture, and the fact that there are so many players that are going to, yeah, whether it's unrestricted free agents or restricted free agents, they're losing Gage, Zacchaeus, all these guys. I'm pretty sure the top wide receiver that is going to be guaranteed on their roster is sixth round pick from last year's draft, Frank Darby out of Arizona State. <laughs> Who oh, like, and gosh. I will say, admittedly, like it, I, I saw him in, you know, senior bowl, you know, a couple of years ago, he looks like he could be a player, you know, maybe not like, I'm, I'm not saying like any sort of superstar level thing, but maybe he progresses into something someday. This whole thing really, oh my God, I feel bad for the front office because like whatever plan they had in place for the draft and free agency got flipped on its head because it's like, okay. Cool, guys. All right, what are we going to do? Uh, we really don't have anybody for Matt Ryan to throw to. Transition Kyle Pitts into a full-time notes. receiver. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, besides Kyle Pitts, like, oh, my God. I don't even I – mean, what they're going to do at eight overall, if I – I'm pretty sure they pick eight overall. Like, they, I, I'm sure that plan has changed. That's going to be super fascinating. I don't, I don't have it in front of me or anything. I didn't check beforehand, but I don't know exactly what their cap situation is either. I mean, like, dear God, dude, I am like really <laughs> concerned about that entire offense. And like, I, I think maybe if anything, like this will put more pressure on them to bring back Cordero Patterson. Like, I mean, I understand, you know, like he's a little older. He kind of faded toward the end of the year, but I, I seem to have success there. There's obviously familiarity and like, you know, maybe they're, they're going to have to figure out some sort of continuity because like we already saw how difficult it was for them without Calvin Ridley last year. I mean, like filling that void was a very challenging thing to do. And like, yes, Kyle Pitts to his credit, put up an insanely good rookie season. He still went for over a thousand yards and like, yeah, okay. Well, he hasn't scored a touchdown in the United States yet. <laughs> you know, like I'm sure he'll be able to overcome a lot of that. But one of the really frustrating things about, his rookie season last year was the fact that, you know, he was put into bracket coverage constantly. It was very easy for teams to scheme up against, you know, taking the ball, you know, out of his hands, basically. So they're going to have to figure something out without Ridley being there. And then just from like a Calvin Ridley standpoint, I know a lot of people are just like, well, what should we do with him in dynasty? I don't know (laughs) if you like, if you have him, you're you're holding on man you're holding on like i don't think there's really anything else you can do besides that because his value will literally never be lower than it is right now people were thinking like oh could it possibly get any worse uh yeah it could get worse this is worse (laughs) you can't can't do anything with him i just i don't know I, i hope he's well i hope he comes back 
you know, ready to go and just absolutely kills it. I wish nothing but the best for the guy. Honestly, if he never plays football again, whatever's best for his mental health is best for his mental health. Just like, I, I just, I care about Calvin Ridley, the human way more than I care about Calvin Ridley, the football player, but boy, does it put the Falcons in a really <laughs> tight spot. Oh, geez. yeah. Oh my goodness. And I, that was, that's funny though. Like the point that you brought up, I knew, I know about like the whole, like early in the season, it was like, Oh, Kyle Pitts hadn't scored a touchdown. That like cracks me up that people were talking about like, Oh, he still hasn't scored one in the United States. I hadn't even seen that before, but that just was like, I don't know. That's like very like, <laughs> I don't know. Excuse kind of like whatever, like obviously Kyle Pitts can score touchdowns. He's six foot six. Like other than that, like six foot six, 245 pounds athletic, like he'll, he's going to be fine in that department, but even so, like the Falcons, yeah, not in a great spot. I looked at their cap. They're like around league average right now, like 16 million in space. Not too bad, okay. but like not, you know, they still need to chase a receiver either in the draft or coming out like in free agency. I feel like if they draft a guy, though, I, I do like that for them to just have a young guy for the future, because maybe you do decide whatever we're going to move on from Ridley we're either not gonna I think they already picked up his fifth year option so I guess they can't do that they could trade him or they could cut him and take a big cap hit or they could just keep him for one more year and be like okay go get a contract somewhere else but like yeah I think they're going to need to pursue that position now and it does throw their plans kind of in jeopardy from before yeah I mean like kind of like I said about dynasty managers it's like well I mean the Falcons are in the same place you know like Mm -hmm. like, what are they going to do well you're going to have to hold them (laughs) You know, yeah. you're just like nothing really else that you can do, you know, and it's going to be particularly fascinating, I guess, also because that division itself is still so wide open, you know, yeah. like for as difficult of a position as this puts them in, the Saints are losing Sean Payton, you know, who knows who their quarterback's going to be, Carolina's stuck with three guys i mean like i don't know i mean like maybe cam newton comes back or something but they still have sam darnold in the books that's going to be difficult for them to get out of and then tampa you know they're losing a lot of players too i mean i don't know if you guys heard but that tom brady guy you know he was pretty good he's not going to be around anymore either so it's just like i mean honestly like as it stands right now the falcons do have the best quarterback of everybody in the division so it's just like that's the other part of it it's like even with all of this does it still behoove them to maybe go for it because the window of opportunity is so weird and unique because of how weak the entirety of the NFC South is. I don't know. I don't know Mm. what the answer to that question is. That's going to be interesting for every single one of those teams in that division, dude. Like, Oh wow. Dude. Oh, honestly, if the Panthers don't land like a guy like Watson, maybe the NFC South just becomes the new NFC East in terms of just being like an atrocious division that is mocked year after year. I think the NFC East is still the NFC East though, until they prove otherwise and actually like win a playoff game. But yeah. yeah. I'm, sure. I'm very familiar with the NFC East. I do live in mm-hmm. that. I live in the DC area. I've been subject to that for a very long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially like, oh my gosh, seven and nine and winning the division in the uh, 2020 of year. That was just nuts. Like I, I, I can't even, I can't even believe that happened. At one point it was looking like six and 10 could even do it. And it was like the beginning of the year, like uh, there were like teams at one and five and it's like, oh, you're not out of it. You're still in the thick of the race. The one in five. Maybe maybe we should just like remove divisions and then see if the AFC just dominates. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. I feel like the AFC would just dominate. AFC supremacy, like AFC supremacy, really is real, especially after Russell Wilson gets traded there. And like, I don't know. I, like, if it wasn't if Rodgers had gotten shipped off to the Broncos and Russ had went to like, I don't know, like maybe Russ went to the this is like a weird random hypothetical. Russ went to the Colts. Like, say both of them went out of oh conference, gosh, the NFC yes. would just be done. <laughs> 
dude i mean it, it's crazy it's absolutely crazy and like i know this is a conversation that you know football fans everywhere had during the year it was so difficult to you know pick like who's the best team in the afc because of how many good teams there really are man yeah. like i i think you're correct and like that is one of the really Oh, my God. The, the NFC is an absolute joke. And we're going to talk about the NFC East a little bit later. I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, but, yeah, dude, I mean, gosh, it's it, it also it really hurts my feelings as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan because and it, like it throughout the you know, we've already talked about it, you know, a couple of quarterback news. I really wish there was quarterback news for my team. I want to <laughs> know who my quarterback's going to be, man. It's, it's so frustrating because like and also like, dude, it's it's crazy. Like losing Ben Roethlisberger. This is the first time that my favorite football team will be looking for a new quarterback since I was nine years old. Wow. I turned 27 in June. <laughs> so like that's, oh, wow, man. That's, oh gosh, mm-hmm. makes me feel a little old. Does make yeah. me feel a little old, but also it's just like, jeez, man. Oh God. Anyhow, <laughs> we, yeah. digress. we digress. Would you rather not know who your quarterback's going to be or have Carson Wentz? Oh, I am I am perfectly okay (laughs) continuing to exist in quarterback limbo than Carson Wentz on my team. I think I think he gets a bit of a bad rap, but at the same time, I know people were throwing that out there as a possibility, and I was just like, no, twenty eight million dollars. Oh my god! And like I remember, I mentioned it in like a like when that rumor was circulating for a while, it came up in a group chat, and like somebody like added me, it was just like, hey, Herms, what do you think? And I was like. At that point, why not just stick with Mason Rudolph? Because in my mind, the difference between Mason Rudolph and Carson Wentz is that one of them is a expensive, <laughs> mediocre to bad quarterback, and the other one is a, an incredibly cheap, mediocre to bad quarterback. I will take inexpensive <laughs> bad over expensive bad 10 out of 10 times. It just mm. makes more sense. You know what I mean? If you're going to be bad, at least save some money. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean you just like i don't know you just defended carson wentz though and then put him in the same tier as mason rudolph i don't know if that's <laughs> that may not be very respectful to carson uh, wentz but uh, at the same I, time i agree with you there i'm like cap wise and stuff of course true that although you know I, I don't know i mean i know we have the order of the news on the show sheet but we've already mentioned his name do you would just want to get into talking about carson Wentz? sure let's go ahead the colts traded carson wentz in case you guys didn't know to the Washington Commanders, the Colts get 2022 third, 2023 third round pick. That can become a second if Carson Wentz plays 70% of plays. So it's probably going to be a second uh, unless he gets hurt. 2022 second round pick as well. The Commanders swapped second round picks this year. So they got a second round pick, but traded back. And of course they get Wentz. And I think, I don't know. I don't, I feel like it's, I don't, I can't see how Wentz is anything more than a bridge. That's the thing. The strategy here seems to be pay Wentz a lot of money for one year, then move on with no cap hit and maybe draft a QB. But Wentz was traded to the Colts for exactly this reason to get quarterback stability. He played behind a fantastic offensive line with emerging young weapons, the best running back in the league and like a good defense and couldn't take them to the playoffs because they lost to the Jaguars in the final game of the season. (laughs) How is this going to be different? Like Washington and the Colts, pretty comparable they're like almost like would you if you have to find like two comparable teams Washington and the Colts are a very similar team both got emerging young running backs both got a number one like good receiver both got a solid offensive line and a young talented defense like how is Carson Wentz going to change this team and make them any different than the Colts were last year I mean that 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 remains to be seen and I'll tell you what one of the really funny things about all that because like I had mentioned you know like living in the Washington DC area like I mean I I work with 
a lot of Commanders fans. I have a lot of fan uh, friends that are Commanders fans. I used to be one. I have I abandoned the team a long time ago because <laughs> I was born and raised a Steelers fan. But you know, living in the area, I was like, oh yeah, I'll root for them. You know, AFC, NFC. There's no conflict. You know, so that was a very difficult thing to put myself through as a child. But like, whatever. I digress. I Dan Snyder, please sell the team. It's a dumpster fire of a franchise. I absolutely hate it. Um, watching some of my coworkers just go through like the five stages of grief in real time, <laughs> like mm-hmm. learning the news of the, I was just sitting there just laughing my butt off. It was so much fun, but it, it, so I, you know, I got a little spicy, you know, saying, so I will defend Carson Wentz's honor. I will defend Carson Wentz's honor. Honestly, I've seen people be like, oh, well, it's, like, it's a lateral move going from like him, you know, from Heineke to Wentz. And I'm like, okay, first of all, like, no, that's not a lateral move. <laughs> yeah. Like, He's an upgrade. I, Exactly. I I think it is intellectually dishonest for people to sit there and say, oh, I can't really tell the difference. I'm like, there's <laughs> such a clear difference between Taylor Heineken and Carson Wentz. Say what you will about Carson Wentz. Honestly, it's and a, a lot of people point to the 2020 season that he had his last year in Philly and how much of a nightmare that was. But you have to consider like, you know, and we talk about it all the time for fantasy football and also just football in general, the ecosystem of an offense. You know what I mean? Like for the most part, unless you're just like this, like transcendent talent at the quarterback position and can overcome all obstacles, you are going to be about as good as the surroundings that you have. Yeah. So, you know, like, and I, I make this joke about Carson Wentz and, you know, certain players like that, you know, like that year, Philadelphia was just like, okay, here's three grapes and a, you know, packet of saltine crackers. Here's your lunch. I hope you feel full. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that, you can't do that to a player and expect them to, you know, it, absolute nightmare. It's going to be better for the commanders. And also this is the best quarterback Terry McLaurin's ever had to play with. So, I mean, like, what does that say about the other quarterbacks? (laughs) (laughs) I I think we all know, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting for sure. And, you know, we, we, you know, joked about the NFC East and like how much of a dumpster fire that is. Honestly, it, it wouldn't be that ridiculous for them to make a play for the wild card at this rate. Like the thing that really has to happen for the commanders is for the defense to step back up, because honestly, that was the thing that really let them down the most. I mean, like in my entire lifetime watching this franchise, like, you know, well, even just the division in general, not even just them, the, the NFC East in general, the way that you succeed in the NFC East is really depending on your defense you can have a mediocre but still like operable offense that can get things done just enough but the key to winning that division and having success is the defense so it's just like that's what they're gonna have to do because i thought william jackson was gonna be a lot better of a signing than he was you know because like i would watch him a couple times a year as a steelers fan you know when he was on the Bengals, he was really good at taking away a team's top wide receiver playing cornerback for a long time he comes down here to play for the commanders it's just like well what happened i don't know that's <laughs> gonna have to bounce back I mean, who knows what they're going to do with the defensive line because it the frustrating thing, probably from, you know, the franchise's perspective is like they were about as good with and without Chase Young in the lineup. That has to be a little bit alarming. I don't know how that's yeah. going to work out. But like, yeah, I'm way more concerned about the defense than I am about the offense. But at any rate, as far as it goes for them, like, yeah, like big ups for Terry McLaurin. Hopefully this is the thing that he needs. And I do feel a lot better about Wentz's ability to check down to the running back than I did about any of the other quarter uh, quarterbacks that they've had in recent times. So, well, it's one of the brief stint of Alex Smith coming back was pretty cool. Cause that was about as far as he could throw a football, but I mean like wheels up for Antonio Gibson, hopefully like that's the thing that I think is going to be interesting because a lot of people have been frustrated with him so far, because like, 
I remember last summer going into redress season, a lot of people were like really excited about him potentially being a top 12 running back. Injuries kind of dragged him down a little bit before. And then, you know, like JD McKissick, his presence alone takes away some work. But I don't know. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Carson Wentz and his penchant for checking down and doing all that bodes well for Antonio Gibson. And at least as far as the Colts go, I mean, like maybe by the time that this episode is released, we will have an answer to this question, but maybe yeah. they got out of Carson Wentz without any sort of backup <laughs> plan place at all. They had no contingency. They were just yeah. like, oh, cool. Oh, we're done. Like, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Sam Ellinger season. <laughs> like, what are they going to do? I mean, I don't know. Like, does Jimmy Garoppolo make sense for them? That's some, that's a domino that still hasn't fallen. Maybe we could see how that goes. I don't really know if they'd be in the market for Deshaun Watson. Cause I doubt that there would be an in-division deal. Trading a player within a division is obviously a very rare occurrence. So I mean, like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, man. Because they don't have their first round pick to even go after one of the quarterbacks in this draft because that's what they gave up to get in the first place. <laughs> yeah, the so one it's th- like, dude. The one <laughs> thing the commanders can feel good about is that they just made the Colts' trade from last offseason. But like they made the trade, the Colts made the trade knowing Wentz was probably mediocre, but with some upside. The commanders made the trade knowing Wentz was mediocre, period. Like that's still a, like a more fair deal for them than it was last offseason. Then the Eagles got a nice, like little. Nice couple of pieces there, but yeah, no horns up for Sam Ellinger because I'm a Texas football fan. And so that'd be awesome, but (laughs) I don't know, not an NFL franchise QB. I don't think, yeah, they had no contingency plan at all, but um, let's see, I guess we can probably skip over Mike Gesicki and Dalton Schultz getting the franchise tag. Those guys probably are going to be pretty similar than last to to what they were last year, especially, I mean, maybe Dalton Schultz gets a little upgrade because Cooper is gone. But let's talk like the last three pieces of news here, then get to some tight ends. Mike Williams has re-signed with Chargers on a three-year, $60 million extension. First of all, congrats for $20 million a year. Second of all, congrats because that's probably the best case scenario for Mike Williams for fantasy. I don't see another spot where he would be like more productive as a wide receiver one. And now he's just with a superstar QB and Justin Herbert who will chuck the ball downfield to him. And as long as he doesn't get injured, he's going to be great. He'll probably be a bit inconsistent as he always has been, but he can have some blow up games. That's for sure. Oh my God. You know, And I've been a big fan of him since he came into the league. And it's just, I hate the fact that he's had such a hard time staying healthy because like he is such a physically gifted marvel of an athlete and he does such a great job of just going up there and just, you know, because people talk about contested catches and like the 50-50 balls with his leaping ability and his size. It's more like a, <laughs> it's more like a 60-40 ball. It's, you know what I mean? Like he's mm-hmm. just that good at doing that stuff. But like, and like, it's, oh man, I wish that he would be a little bit better in terms of, you know, just because he lands very aggressively on the ground whenever he goes up and gets the ball. Yeah. I wish he would uh, take a page out of the Wu-Tang Clan playbook and learn how to protect his neck. You know, I like making that joke all the time. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, dude, I mean, we saw him in just this absurdly blazing hot start to the year last year. I know I know that's not sustainable throughout an entire season, but it's possible that he could make some noise because we have seen. It didn't happen in the same year, but we have at least seen a 1,000-yard season from him. Yeah. We have seen a double-digit touchdown season from him. We know he is capable of doing this stuff, and it's like, man, staying put, like you said, staying put was the best-case scenario for him, and I am just so happy to see that work out for him and for him to get the bag and do that. And 
You know, I mean, because honestly, man, if the Chargers just, if they can get somebody on that defensive line to plug up the middle and actually improve their run defense, look out. Look mm-hmm. out. Look out. Because, like, they, dude, they got so much going for them. Oh, They already God. got that edge guy because we're not talking about it on the show because it's not fantasy, but they picked up Khalil Mack, which is, you know, compared to all this oh, other yeah. news, like, they're kind of squeaked through with, like, under the radar almost, which is insane. But, yeah, Khalil <laughs> Mack's now on the Chargers. That's a scary defense with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. My goodness. Dude. 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 <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and, like, and it's been said probably for the better part of the last four or five seasons, it's like if the secondary could just stay healthy – yeah. They've always had the talent in the secondary, you know, but, but I, I digress. Like, yeah, dude, the offense, man, like, and they're, 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 they'll have to figure out something at the tight end position. Cause I mean, like, I can't imagine that Jared Cook is going 35 years old. Yeah. Like it, he's old. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. I don't know what the odds of, of, you know, him coming back are like, I don't know. Maybe like they drafted Trey McKitty. He could be decent. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know what they do with that position, but I mean, I mean, honestly, how much does that even matter, dude? Because, I mean, like, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, you know, like, we know they're going to be there doing their thing. Who knows what we continue to see, the progression from Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton. I'm a really big fan of Jalen Guyton. He could be super interesting as, you know, as the offense continues to evolve and, you know, things continue to open up and they just continue to build rapport with one another. Because, I mean, like, it's crazy to see how good Justin Herbert already is just two years in the league. Just two years in the league. Like, yeah. I, the sky is the limit for this guy. If he continues to do what he's doing, man, dude, wheels up for all of them, man. Like, I'm super excited for the Chargers and fantasy. And it's going to be, like, they're going to be pricey. Every single one of them. I don't care what position it is, quarterback, running back, like all those guys. You know, Eckler, all of them. They're, whatever their price is, they're going to be priced very close to their ceilings. But at the same time, like, it's going to be hard to say no. When yeah. you're on the clock in your drafts, man. You know, it's you're going to want a part of this offense. You know, just oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, it's looking real good, except again, at the tight end position, a bit unknown. But other than that, yeah, it's going to be high powered next year for sure. Uh, Let's talk more offense, of course, as I guess that's kind of the entire show. So that was kind of irrelevant to say. (laughs) But Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper news. I, I don't I can't understand this for the Cowboys at all, but except for the cap situation, I guess. But. Amari Cooper was traded to the Cleveland Browns for like zero. He was traded for a fifth round pick. They swapped sixth because they were probably like, okay, this looks really, really stupid if we get one late round pick. So please just we'll trade back. And the Browns are like elated anyway. Honestly, like I see the concern about Baker Mayfield for Amari Cooper, but I think Amari Cooper is going to be more successful because he's a lot more like Jarvis Landry than he is like Odell Beckham Jr. in terms of skill set. And we know which kind of guy Baker likes to target more. I think Cooper will have some moderate success, but this is the prove it year for Baker Mayfield. And it kind of sucks because I think they have to figure out his fifth year option this year. So like they don't actually, or did they already, is he going into his fifth year? I'm trying to remember which one that is. Um, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure this will be his fifth year. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they'll have to decide. I guess that's not bad then. Cause they'll have to decide after this year, whether they're moving on from him or not makes sense. Get him another weapon. If he's really bad, then he's gone. Yeah, and, you know, I'm really glad that you touched on it. Like, Amari Cooper is a lot more conducive to what that offense does than somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. I'm really glad that that is something that you said because I feel like people really have to understand that. Like, it is not – we saw the success that Odell Beckham had as soon as he went to Los Angeles because they asked him to do something different. He was not cast in that same type of – you know, like, the whole Browns – 
offense with Stefanski is just like, you know, like they do a lot of, you know, I don't, they use the tight ends to be able to create space. And it's just like, like, I don't know, like it, a lot of it is in the intermediate, you know, like Odell Beckham is not the type of player that he is going to be able to win a lot in the intermediate. He's very much a downfield guy to do a bunch of that stuff. And like it, he was very weirdly just miscast in like on that team in general. So to, to see people be like, Oh, well, you know, look at what Odell Beckham did. So obviously Mark <laughs> Cooper is going to be bad. It's like, they're not the same. Not <laughs> they the are same. not the same. Like he, like, Cooper serves a completely different purpose, and it's like mm-hmm. there's a reason they went after. I completely agree with you, dude. We cannot hold that against him already. But you know what? It's not going to stop people from doing that. And I am here to say that if this continues to happen and this narrative just you know continues to be pushed, fine, fine. I'm completely here for it because all that's going to mean is that I'll be able to get Amari Cooper as like my wide receiver three slash you know flex option sitting there on my bench at a at a sunken cost like at a depressed cost in ADP. Like I am fine, fine. Please, please, dear God, continue <laughs> to tell me how awful this is so that I can get a discount. I will yeah. gladly accept that discount. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I oh my gosh. Yeah. And then as far as Baker Mayfield goes, like dude, man, you know, like it's been unfortunate for him because you know. Like I even talked about this on my podcast. I had uh, my buddy uh, Wyatt over at, uh, JWB Fantasy. Uh, he he's a Browns fan. He lives in Ohio, and he was telling me like, you know, like I think a lot of people forget like around the time that Baker Mayfield got hurt, they also lost both of their starting tackles last year. They had a lot of injuries on the offense that happened concurrently. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. whole thing collapsed. It wasn't just him. So I'm willing to give. You know, I'm willing to give them a mulligan for 2021 because like they still did fairly well, all things considered, I suppose, but I'm looking more toward the latter half of the 2020 season when things really started to heat up and we saw, you know, glimpses of like, oh, wow, Baker can really run this offense, you know, like yeah. with somebody like an Amari Cooper coming in. Now that moves some of the other guys that they have in-house down the depth chart. I'm excited to see what happens with the continued evolution of Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's a young receiver that I really like. That could be super fun. Lord knows what they're doing with the tight end position, but that's a whole other issue for another day. But I'm willing to give it another chance. I'm willing to roll the dice and see what happens. I... I like the Browns offense. You know what I mean? There's a mm-hmm. decent chance this could work out. I'm here for it. And honestly, I'm, I'm rooting for Baker Mayfield. I really am. You know, and I think he's always done well with having that chip on his shoulder. Because, I mean, even his time in Oklahoma, I mean, he had to walk on, man. Yeah. He, it, you know, like, And that turned out to be a Heisman trophy by the end of it. You know, I think now that he's really backed into a corner and, you know, the world's kind of against him, like, even though he plays in the same division as, you know, my team and I consider the Browns a rival, there's still part of me that I feel bad for the Browns, you know what uh-huh. I mean? Because like my entire life has just been like a revolving door, you know, crap show of them trying to figure out the quarterback position. I want this to work out for them. The city of Cleveland and their sports fans deserve the dub. You know, they just they mm-hmm. deserve the dub. Dude, I don't know. For sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. I think this move for fantasy, like for the Cowboys side of the football, like it doesn't change that much except Dak splits without like his, all of his top three receivers weren't that great. So maybe a slight downgrade for Dak. So that's why it doesn't make sense as much for me as a football move, because I still think Amari Cooper is a better receiver than Michael Gallup. And I still think that trading Cooper to extend Gallup is not necessary. In my opinion, it doesn't make like that much sense because I still feel like, I I don't know if I was going to pay someone, I feel like I would want to pay 
Amari more like maybe Michael Gallup is slightly superior physically, but Amari Cooper is a much more safe kind of option. You already have a superior physical athlete in CD lamb. So I don't know, but they, they lost, they gained a lot of cap space, but yeah, we'll see. They're close to an extension on Michael Gallup apparently. Um, yeah. And like, just like very quickly on the Cowboys, mm-hmm. like the thing that really happened with them is they had to back themselves into a corner because they're committing so much money to Ezekiel Elliott. The fact that they've committed so much money to Ezekiel Elliott is what backed them into this corner in the first place. They had to do something like, you know, for them, like financially, the only thing they really could do because of the fact that they have to pay him so much money was franchise tag Dalton Schultz, find a way to get out of Amari Cooper and then just bank on the upside of Michael Gallup. I mean, like it is a little confusing, but like they did this to themselves. You know what I mean? Jerry Jones just loves Zeke that much. Like it would make more sense for them to find some sort of way to move on from him. I don't even know if that was financially possible for them in the first place. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even bother looking at that because I didn't think that was even (laughs) something that they would consider. But at any rate, like, you know, like they'll, they'll be good. You know, I'm interested to see what happens with that. And I know like a lot of dynasty managers were saying, it's like, Oh, well, you know, Michael Gallup, just hold on. You know what I mean? Just like, hopefully something will happen and he can move on and find opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, well, it looks like he found his opportunity on the team that he was already with. So I mean, yeah, like, that's true. I think that's, that, that's, that's kind of a really fun takeaway, you know, because like, like I said, people were optimistic about the future, assuming something was going to be able to change for him. But the opportunity that, we were hoping he would find we thought would have to be somewhere else him having to learn another offense it's now, awesome that yeah. he gets opportunity and doesn't have to learn anything new like that is to me like oh a little under the radar man like yo, that's Mike true Gallup, he could be fun he could be fun he could be yeah he's worth a pick next year maybe a bit undervalued depending on how the adp shakes out of course um right. yeah but let's hop into the last piece of news oh my gosh this is definitely the longest I've, I've we've done 127 now episodes of this show the longest i've ever spent on news easily this has to be oh, it's been man. 45 minutes so i guess we'll touch on tight ends maybe do like a few top guys then a couple yeah. names to know or whatever but the last piece of news it's still like top shelf stuff deshaun watson was the great a grand jury decided not to indict deshaun watson of criminal charges um, this, I, I don't like, this doesn't really mean that he's innocent because there were like, it's just means that obviously, I guess they didn't find enough evidence to convict him of criminal charges or whatever, or indict him there. But like for NFL purposes, I feel like there's a small chance that the NFL suspends him under the personal conduct stuff, but I doubt it. Honestly, I think Deshaun Watson will see the field in week one on another team. But of course this has started up the trade rumors all over again putting all the legal stuff aside and all the stuff that he did. And if so, if, if he did it, like it's obviously horrible stuff, but like putting all that aside, it is really fun to see the Deshaun Watson trade rumors starting up again. But like, what do you think is the most likely destination and how does that, I guess, affect fantasy value in general, depending on where he goes? I mean, probably Carolina. I mean, I know that this is something ever since they were, you know, purchased a few years back the the new owner of that franchise that took over really seems to want to turn things around for them and build them into you know a marquee franchise and you know do some you know crazy stuff down there which is like why you know like one of their first orders of business was bringing in somebody like matt rule to like really just you know like change things up get like a dynamic you know like offense in place whatever you know like pluck a really you know interesting progressive guy you know from the college ranks and try and plug him into things and they've tried different patchwork things to be able to figure it out i mean we saw how aggressive they were in pursuing sam darnold at the time you know it was a little bit of a weird move obviously with the benefit of hindsight it's even weirder (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. but 
like they really want to find a way to get things done there and you know and like the same thing that we were talking about earlier you know like the nfc south is wide open it's it, it it takes one team pushing all of their chips into the middle of the table and saying we're going for it to be able to win that division at least in my opinion and yeah. they're built to be able to do something right away if they were able to upgrade the quarterback position because we look at what they've built on the defensive side of the ball particularly on the secondary i mean between like you know jc horn and jeremy chin and all those guys like trading for cj henderson and that deal that you know sent dan arnold to jacksonville i mean like they're really building something special down there if they can get even just a competent quarterback, but particularly somebody as skilled as Deshaun Watson. I mean, like, geez, Lou, that would be fantastic. You know, like, and, you know, kind of like we were talking about a little bit before with Terry McLaurin. I mean, like you know, another receiver that has, you know, performed with subpar quarterback play throughout their career, DJ Moore. I mean, think about what that would mean for somebody like him. That could be interesting. I'm not entirely sure they would be able to hold on to Christian McCaffrey if they were to make a deal for him, because I know that the asking price for Deshaun Watson is pretty high. And also I saw a report for it, you know, however long ago it was that, you know, the Panthers are potentially open to trading Christian McCaffrey, perhaps. So, I mean, like that, that would probably be part of the deal. That would be interesting. But in terms of when Watson would see the field, I mean, I think that's a different story because I mean, like, you know, like obviously like I'm, I'm not going to bother touching on too much of that other stuff, but you know, the precedent for these types of situations, probably about six to eight games. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like just because he wasn't indicted, just because, you know, he wasn't, you know, he didn't even obviously didn't even go to trial. But like, regardless of that fact, there have been several players in the past where they've found themselves in some sort of situation where even if it didn't go that far in the legal process, it looked bad on the shield. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it reflects poorly on the image of the NFL. So for that alone, players face suspension. A, yeah. a, a, per, a person that I just named Ezekiel Elliott. Remember, you know, a couple, a few years ago, like similar, like he found himself in some sort of an incident. It didn't really go that far in the legal process, but again, he still found himself suspended for, you know, a handful of games just because, so it's That's probably true. going to be at minimum, you know, six to eight games. If not, he misses the entire year, but either way, like the fact of the matter is, However we feel about Deshaun Watson, the person, you know, it is what it is, you know, like, obviously, I'm sure not a lot of people are particularly happy with him, but Deshaun Watson, the football player, extremely talented, and if he rolled up to a team like Carolina, man, dude, that would be, that would be phenomenal. I know that other teams have been in contact. I think, you know, like we saw the Eagles pursue Russell Wilson. He yeah. didn't waive his no trade clause for, I believe it was them and the Washington commanders. He only agreed to go to Denver. So we at least know a team like Philadelphia has been in the trade market for upgrading quarterback. I think they were in contact about Deshaun Watson at some point last season as well. So, you know, like there are a number of different destinations that I suppose he could find himself on. I just prayed personally that he oh god I, I swear to god if he goes to the Steelers <laughs> I, I I personally do not have the it was already difficult enough as a Steelers fan to do the mental gymnastics to try and find a way to root for Ben Roethlisberger I don't want to have to do this again so <laughs> you know but at any rate we'll we'll skirt away from that a little bit yeah Carolina there you go that'll bring it mm -hmm. back on the road that's yeah, probably I think the, where I think would make the most sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think the Panthers are probably the most likely destination as well, as it seems, based on what's been coming out. Um, so I guess, yeah, wow, that wrapped it up. That's all the news at last. Woo, uh, it man. has been a lot. 
that is your analysis. And I'm sure we'll have a lot more as we go into the off season, but uh, I guess, do you want to jump into tight ends, talk about them briefly before we wrap up the show? Oh my God. Yeah, dude. I mean, like there's, there's some fascinating names on this list. I'm really excited to get into this. For sure. So I guess let's talk. I think we should definitely talk about the guys at the top as well as maybe some other names to know, but I feel like at the top, there's going to be a tier once again of maybe three eh, Waller, maybe four guys up there who are really maybe five with Kyle Pitts. It's like going to be interesting, but I still think there's going to be that top tier that go early, those middle round guys that you should avoid. And then the late round guys that you should go after. So we should probably talk about like, we are completely in agreement in terms of like how you go after tight ends. So definitely some of those top guys, as well as some later round, but how are you approaching like, as of now, your early thoughts on like how you would maybe rank these guys coming up at the top. Like obviously tight end one last year was Mark Andrews, then Kelsey, then Kittle at number three. Waller and Pitts were a little lower. Pitts was five. Waller got hurt, so he was even lower. But how would you approach that right? Like as of right now for next year? Uh, I mean, look, and I know that, you know, people get really mad whenever it, I, I don't know. Travis Kelsey at some point has to fall off just a little bit i do not have him as my number one i didn't last year just because as he continues to get older the odds of him just given the precedent of the position in terms of players at his age that were able to finish at you know like there are fewer and fewer examples of elite tight ends at that age something has to give at some point so i'm going to continue to hedge a little bit he's probably going to be like my third you know what i mean so I'm I'm starting the top of my list with Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts. That's what I'm doing in that order. I would Mark Andrews number one for sure. Because look, and this is something that I talked about a lot last off season too. For as much as people like to point out, it was like ah, I know Baltimore is such a run heavy team. I'm not really sure how we can rely upon a lot of their pass catchers and stuff. It's like, well, if you look at some of their personnel decisions they've made over the last couple of years, they've invested a lot in like the wide receiver position. They're telling us just based off of their personnel moves alone. Hey, everybody, we're looking at acquiring players so we can pass the ball more. Yeah. Oh, wow. Go figure. <laughs> you know? So like, and that's, you know, we, and we see that we saw that manifest itself last year. I mean, like, yes, they're still going to be insanely, you know, they're going to be more run heavy than anything else, but it's just like, they want to be able to have a more robust passing game. This is something that will continue to evolve. And like, Mark Andrews is just really good, dude. Mark Andrews is insanely talented. I mean, like, I I, I see him all the time on television. I live in the Ravens uh, television market. I get to see those games on TV. He's absolutely tremendous. I know a lot of people were concerned about the fact that leading up until this past year, I mean, like, yes, I mean, a lot of his production for fantasy, you know, like, uh, l- relied a little bit too much on touchdowns and stuff, but at the same time, all tight ends rely on that for yeah. <laughs> fantasy production, you know what I mean? But, I mean, he has... He has the robust target share. He has the ability to do all of that. I see no reason why he can't continue to do all this stuff. And also, the number one reason why I'm particularly excited about him is the fact that he is already this good. He's only my age. He's only yeah. he's, he's not that old. He's not that old. Like yeah, like so he'll continue to do that. And then I have Pitts number two just because we talked about it at the beginning. Over a thousand yards, only one touchdown there is no way on god's green earth that it is only going to be one touchdown again like yes i know it's a little frustrating that we don't know what the wide receiver position is going to be like but you know like dude like we talk about it all the time you know regression it's not always just a regression to the mean folks that's you know like at some point just based off of the opportunity that he finds himself and the odds of him finishing with just like that 
minuscule number of touchdowns again. It's just, it's it's very very unlikely. So he will definitely see a trend up in that direction at some point. I don't know. Yeah, dude, like that's those are the two guys that if I'm really going to go early on, that's who I'm going to be excited about the most. George Kittle is always going to be super fun, but it's always when healthy. That's the thing yeah. with George Kittle. George Kittle when healthy, and then also. Who knows what we're going to see out of that offense with Trey Lance under center the entire year. That's the other difficult part. But I don't know. I think that that's just generally my overall feeling on the top tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Maybe, that's It's a little more complicated with Waller. but <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you for the most part. I'm really close on either having Andrews or Kelsey as tight end one. I haven't decided on that as of yet. It's going to be close for sure. I think Kittle, yeah, again, there's just a lot of variables there. But I think you should still garner a good price given that. He has so much upside and so much athleticism. Uh, Pitts should be up there as well. Definitely. I think Pitts is probably going to have a, probably going to be in my top three, but I think a guy that might be underrated right now is Darren Waller. I feel like we're kind of forgetting about Darren Waller and forgetting that Darren, we loved Hunter Renfro so much. Like, or, I mean, like a lot of people do. Let's not forget that Hunter Renfro took that role after Darren Waller was hurt exclusively. That was Darren Waller's role. Like looking on fantasy pros right now, you got like the tier one guys, Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts, and Kittle, tier break, and then Waller in a tier with Hawkinson, Goddard, and Knox. Like, that's five isn't necessarily a bad spot to have Darren Waller, but the fact that he's below that by, like, that much of a tier, and then in the overall rankings as well, where he is, oh, where can I find him? Where the heck is he? Oh, he's number 49. Like, that's early fifth round. Darren Waller, just a couple of years ago, was like the tight end too. He can still do it. I will take that all day. That's the spot where I was taking Mark Andrews like last year as well as like would be like late fourth, early fifth. And I wasn't even expecting like like the tight end one season for Mark Andrews, which like he ended up putting up. I will take Waller at that price all day. Like I love that um, for fantasy football, getting him there. Even if they add a guy, as long as it's not like a top tier receiver, I still love Waller just for what he does on third downs. I completely agree with you. And that's kind of why... You know, I excluded him a little bit from that top because like, you know, whether or not I and like I will I will probably I would I'll probably end up ranking Waller ahead of Kittle by the time all of this is said and done, because like I like, look, I mean, I don't remember what website it is, but there's like a super cool website that you can log on and like put in like your sleeper account. It'll like, you know, pull up like the percentage of players that you have or like the number of shares you have in like your dynasty rosters and stuff. Uh, Darren Waller is my most rostered player in my dynasty. Like I'm a big fan of his and like. But I have a really weird sinking feeling that this is going to be just where he ends up going in drafts, whether we like it or not. But, you know, it, it's kind of like what I was alluding to earlier about, like, one of the reasons that, like, I feel like the AFC West itself is still really close together because people are underrating what, you know, Josh McDaniels is going to bring to the table in terms of being able to unleash his system with the weapons that he has. I mean, like, if it's anything like we saw in New England, what are the two things that we know really work in that passing game it's like a really you know good short area slot receiver that can just be peppered with a ton of targets on our renfro and also the success of a tight end darren waller so like the two guys that he's walking into like just taking over coaching this team like he already has two really good guys to fill like what he's you know i don't know darren waller is going to be super interesting i think people are just going to be fearful of what happened last year because like oh he missed so much time and like yes he is a little bit older that is something that people like to point out as well but 
I mean, it took him a while to get going in the NFL for, you know, a myriad of reasons. And I'm really glad he was able to overcome his addiction issues. And he's another one of those guys where I'm just like, I'm so happy for him. Just even, like football, even aside from it, just like I'm Darren Waller, the person he is like such a super good, you know, advocate for a lot of stuff in his regard too. he's a just absolutely wonderful guy to look up to. He's awesome really hard not to root for him but like anyway bringing it back to football (laughs) because i always have to mention that he's such a great guy like yeah i i I will let people give me that discount all day i am completely with you it's just like yeah you know like you said it's around the same point where we were taking mark andrews in the past every now and then like there is an exception to that rule that we talk about you either go like super early or super late there's always like one or two guys i can talk myself into because of like maybe they just fall a little bit too far Waller's probably going to be that guy for me as well. Like, dude, I mean, I, I had him ranked as my number one tight end last year. I thought that the the case that I put forth made a bunch of sense. It's unfortunate it didn't really work out for, you know, his health reasons. But, like, dude, shout out Darren Waller. That guy, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. The new system mm-hmm. he finds himself in is going to be conducive to getting him the ball a ton, just like it was in the past. I'm not really that worried about it. So he's going to be good. Yeah. No, he will be for sure. And I think maybe potentially undervalued for next year. Uh, we're about like an hour into the show. So I guess let's just do one last point about the late round tight ends or anyone else. I guess, do you want to talk about maybe two names that you're interested in? Like, I guess for any reason, like two names that you're interested in at the position for next year. And I think I know where one of the, which one, one of them is going to be. <laughs> oh, of course. Yes. I will save the best for last, but, uh, Brevin Jordan, uh, that's somebody that I'm particularly excited about. I mean, the Houston Texans, it was a very strange season for them for a myriad of reasons, but as time went along, particularly toward the end of the season, I would say like the last four or five games or so Davis Mills looked really good. Yeah. He really started to build a rapport with Brevin Jordan. And this is a guy that, you know, all you dynasty folks out there. I mean, like I'm sure, you know, he's rostered in plenty of leagues, but if, well, first of all, if he's out on waivers in your dynasty league, please remedy that mistake that your league mates have made because he shouldn't be, but also, he's somebody that I would be interested in acquiring, you know, like I, I he showed a lot of promise coming out of college last year because like he's a little he was a little overshadowed by Kyle Pitts and also somebody that I'm going to talk about in a second. <laughs> but it's this you know, very talented guy, you know, like I thought just, you know, looking at him and evaluating him last year, I I kind of figured if he found himself a good opportunity, he could develop into something pretty good. And it started to work out toward the end. I'm interested to see what the Texans do overall, but I mean, if not a lot changes, I like the connection that Brevin Jordan was able to build with Davis Mills. And I see no reason why he couldn't be somebody that is at least a candidate to break in to that, you know, discussion. So that's somebody that I would be interested in. Like, honestly, and you could probably just take him with the last pick of your draft and redraft unless something changes. And like, there's like a hype train that, ends up you know rolling through town during the summer that i'm not anticipating like yeah he could probably be one of those guys and then of course my beloved pittsburgh steelers the most all the all dude pat frymuth dude i i do not give a single flying crap who the quarterback is because pat frymuth look man i know and like i've i've uh (laughs) I've, i've looked it up before he's even said in interviews he absolutely hates this nickname but unfortunately the nickname is apt He's been called Baby Gronk for a really long time. There is a reason why. His red zone presence is absolutely ridiculous. And I wrote about this in articles last season a ton. By the time he took over full-time, because, like, unfortunately, his opportunity came on the heels of Juju Smith-Schuster's shoulder injury and then also Eric Ebron getting hurt. But what he did with that opportunity from around, like, week six or seven on through 
when he ended up with a concussion. That window of time last year, Pat Fryermuth was the number one tight end. Not just among rookies, number one tight end in red zone receptions, yards, and touchdowns from within the five, the 10, and the 20. All of that is true. If you go, like, whatever website you want to use to find this information, folks, fact check me, listeners. If you want to, fact check me. I challenge you. I swear to God I'm telling the truth. He was that good as a red zone weapon. I don't really see why that, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, if the quarterback's Mason Rudolph or something, I'm going to feel a little worse about it, but obviously, but Mason Rudolph is not going to be my Steelers quarterback next year. I swear. Like they're not that dumb. It's a very, it's a smart franchise. They're not going to let that happen. I am not afraid of who the next quarterback is going to be, at least in terms of how I feel about specifically Pat Frymuth and Deontay Johnson, but we're talking about tight end. So I'm not going to get into Deontay, but Pat Frymuth, he's so deadly in the red zone that he is just going to be, He's going to be awesome. And I feel like there are going to be people that are going to discount him a little bit because of, you know, if it is a rookie quarterback or if it is kind of like a mediocre veteran or something like, let's say for all intents and purposes, Mitch Trubisky rolls into town. People are going to be like, oh, well, Trubisky, it's not very good. It's like, well, it's better than Ben Roethlisberger. (laughs) That bar is so low that it is beneath the floor. Okay. It is very easy for them to upgrade over Ben Roethlisberger. So if you think about how good he was with, Oldy moldy, noodly arm, big Ben throwing in the ball, dude. Pat Frymuth, he, I, I adore that man. He is going to be so good, and like, because even like we have it pulled up in front of us, you know, like half PPR weeks one through seventeen, he missed some time, you know, and like because you know he logged fifteen games in that time, but he also left one of those early with that concussion. Still tight in fourteen over that span, dude. Like, uh, actually, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to vamp a little bit and I'm just going to pull it up or whatever. I'm going to look at it week seven to 17. Just, I'm going to pull it up and see what it was in that one. Here we go. Tight end eight in that span. So that's like taking out the part of the season where he just was legitimately not involved by the yeah. time he got involved through the end of the year, it was tight end eight. So listeners do with that information, what you will, and do not make a mistake. Do not buy into people being like, Oh, the quarterback. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not going to matter. He is good. The mooth is loose. We can't make him unluth. That's not how this works. The, the, the genie is already out of the bottle. We know what he's so good. He's so good. I love him. Oh, Pat Firebush, <laughs> oh, you're the best. Oh, I wish I could give him a hug. Oh, <laughs> You sound like me about like Kenny Galladay or something. Like, it's just, <laughs> I, I love like, yeah, you're just like clearly, uh, yeah, very passionate here. But I think I agree with your points for sure. Go after him next year, guys. You heard it here. You heard maybe the most passionate speech we'll ever hear on the podcast this offseason in favor of a guy. So you know what to do. Go get him in fantasy drafts. And with that, that's a good way to wrap up the show. But yeah, that was a um, very yeah I think a good there's a very very good argument in his favor and he could easily be like it's not like he has no upside he could definitely with the red zone opportunities drop up to jump up to like top five status next year it's very possible oh my gosh dude I mean like that is it is very well within the realm of possibility I like it it, he's just he's just so good he's just Mm -hmm. so good although I will say I I just because I really wanted to prove my points that way nobody can yell at me for this. Uh, Here we go. Week eight through 14, when he was really balling, when he was really balling, he was the tight end three in that span. So there you go, folks. There you go. Look up those stats from week eight through week 14. I'll prove my point. There it is. (laughs) Yeah, he was fantastic for sure. All right. So that wraps up the show. Thank you so much, Herms, for coming on. It was a great show. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Do you want to drop your stuff one more time? Tell people where they can find you before we wrap this up. 
Absolutely. Listeners, if you fell asleep at the beginning of the podcast and you missed where you can find me on Twitter, I am on Twitter at HermsNFL. You can find me there. You can find a lot of my work at Fantasy Pros, and you can find my podcast, The Lateral Show, on Twitter at The Lateral FF. It is also broadcast on you know, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that jazz. It's a lot like this, me yelling, giving impassioned speeches, but I say far more bad words. So if you <laughs> liked what you heard here, but you're just like, you know, I really want to hear this, but with more profanity, that's where you can hear it. Perfect. So guys, go check that out for sure. Um, and yeah, also check out next week. We got a free agency episode coming out here. Um, it's going to be, I guess, free agency. When this podcast drops, which is tomorrow, we're recording on Sunday. So it's Monday when you might be hearing this at the earliest. 1 p.m. legal tampering period gets started. Players get signed two minutes into that. And it's clear there's been some illegal tampering going on. But like, there's going to be a ton of free agency news to talk about next week. It's just going to be another crazy news show. I'm sure I'll have a great guest book for that as well. So be sure you don't miss that because that this show and next show will be covering basically like the crazy off season, all the free agency news, all of that stuff, trading news happening up until the draft. So be sure you don't miss it. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks again, Herms, for hopping on. It was a ton of fun. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah.